Conversations with the inspiring minds. Using design and creativity towards social change. This is Design for the People with Greg Bunbury. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Greg Bunbury. And on this show, I'll be speaking to the designers, artists, creative thinkers and activists using their skills to tackle social issues, uplift communities and make a difference in the world. And today's guest is a rising talent in the design world, Janavi Innes. Janavi is a recent graduate from Central St. Martins in graphic communication design, and her work has already caught the attention of the design world. Her practice is built around influencing social attitudes towards groups of underrepresented communities. She is a winner of the Nova Unilever Unstereotype Award 2020 and the CSM Dean's Collection Award 2020. She recently exhibited at the Saatchi Gallery as part of the London Grads Now exhibition, which ran in September of this year. Janavi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. No, you're very, very welcome. Um, I'm thrilled to be speaking to you with you because uh, uh, your work just really, really caught my eye. And I think it's so rare for such a young designer to be so assured and so confident in their use of typography, graphic communication, but also your politics, your perspective and your point of view, um, which, you know, can take designers decades to develop and you're already out the gate, um, knocking out of the park. So um, what would you say the ethos of your work in general is or what, what's, what do you hope to achieve with the, the stuff that you're doing? Well, through creating work, I always want to educate people and inspire. I feel like throughout my uni, um, throughout my uni experience, so when I've created work and when I received briefs, I feel like I was a lot more engaged with the work when it was something that I really wanted to do. At the end of it, I just really want people to become more knowledgeable because I feel like as a designer, I have the power to be able to incorporate different elements and create something that people can understand and create messages that can be easily communicated. So I feel like it's the best way to um, educate and inform people through these methods. And have you always felt that way about design or is that something that you kind of came to the more you were, you did the work? I feel like it's definitely something that I came with more to, because like I said, um, I, I, I'm a lot more engaged when I'm making work because throughout uni, when I would have people in crits um, reflect on my work, I would know that I'd feel a lot more inspired and happy about the work that I was creating when people would ask me questions and they would say that they have learned something. So if people can see my work and they can begin to ask questions as opposed to just viewing it and taking it as it is, I just want people, I just want to encourage and start conversations. Mm, yeah, I hear that. So one of the things that's uh, also really interesting about your work is your use of analog practices. Now, uh, in the design world, uh, analog is pretty much unheard of uh, these days when everything starts and ends with a computer. So yeah. what initially drew you to incorporate analog practices to your work? So initially at university at Central St. Martins, um, we have a lot of access to different studios like printmaking, printmaking and letterpress. So I feel like um, that was the best opportunity for me to explore. And then whilst I was doing work, I looked into the arts and crafts movement. So I looked at the way that the worker is involved with the work and how that directly affects the outcome. So if the worker feels more involved with the work that they're creating along the um, line of production, then it's more likely to have a more beneficial effect on the workers um, 
life, quality of life, and also the value of what you make is a lot more. And also I just really enjoy working with my hands and trying out new, like feeling tactile um, material. I just really enjoy it. And there's also a cultural element to uh, connecting with work in this way, uh, connecting to work on the basis of craft and these analog practices. How can these techniques such as printmaking and quilting help connect designers and creatives to deeper cultural narratives? I think it can really help in terms of it. Um, it is the message. So, you know, the quote, the medium is the message. I really think if you do something through these methods, for example, if you were to do printmaking or letterpress, you can look at the history that that has with protest art or um, different campaigns. So I feel like it creates a much more stronger message. And then with the quoting, obviously it has its history within Af within America where um, enslaved African-American women were made to create quilts. I feel like through me creating that work again and through me actually doing this stuff by hand, it's a lot more emotional. So I feel like my emotional labour is a lot higher than opposed to me just producing something um, on a screen. I feel like, yeah, it really does affect the value. Yeah, no, totally. I think one of um, one of the things that I'm very aware of at the moment is uh, for designers and illustrators and creatives, especially those of colour who are producing uh, their own work, there seems to be a tendency to produce work via sort of print on demand. Um, mm. And these companies like Printful and uh, others where, you know, you can get your design printed on a mug or on a T-shirt. And in some ways it kind of it kind of brings down the value of the work. And I think so much in the work that we do is determined by the methodology of how we do it. The value is in how it's made. Um, and yeah. that's as important as the work itself. Um, would you say that's kind of, that's true of your work too? I feel definitely, especially with the um, quote I made for Black British History, I did an investigation into Stuart Hall's representation theory. So mm. I really dug deep into looking the ways in which something is presented and how that affects its meaning. So in terms of me creating it by hand and the typography that I use and all of the different elements that come together to affect and to affect the way that users interpret the meaning. So I feel like definitely the medium definitely has an effect on the message. Oh, that's amazing. Um, you mentioned uh, Stuart Hall there. Were there other kind of uh, writers and historians that you drew on for the context in your work? Yeah, I looked at Bell Hooks and she has a book um, about race and representation. So, but that book is more centered towards media culture and like films, but it did really help in terms of understanding the ways in which representations are created and also looking within our own biases that black people may have been that bet people may input in their own work, but they don't actually realize it because we've kind of been taught these different values. And we need to realize that we actually need to take a step back and reflect on the work that we're creating and how this does influence the representations of black people in particular. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting uh, because uh, just like lots of writers like David Osuga, um, uh, Peter Fryer, uh, there's so many, uh, so many thought and opinion on the basis of how difficult or how challenging it is to be in Britain, but much harder to be of Britain. So uh, I feel like your work like yours uh, is a wider contextualization of black British history as part of British history, rather than this kind of uh, separate, uh, separate entity. And part of that story is expanding the history beyond Windrush. 
um, which brings me on to the work you did for uh, our Black Outdoor Art Initiative, um, which was uh, an extension of your quilting project. And in at its core, I believe that it's challenging that single story. Can you expand on that? Yeah, definitely. I feel that there was a single story that suggests that black people had only arrived in the UK after the Windrush, as there was the great wave of immigration. And that's when the um, Commonwealth Act came into place during like the late 19, well, the 1960s. But I wanted to highlight the fact that there were actually black people in Britain before that. So during the 1800s and the 1700s, there were black people in the UK and we have been here for a while. We're not, we're not new. We're not a new people. We have been in Britain and we have been contributing to British society for decades. Yeah. I mean, essentially, um, we've been part of the British story since the third century. Exactly. With black British communities springing up as early as the uh, 1500s. Um, so in terms of the billboard you did for us, um, it, expands on maybe some lesser known uh, figures of black British history, people like uh, Mary Prince um, and uh, uh, Oduwada Equiano, Billy Waters. Um, what was the process of kind of selecting these individuals? Well, at first I began just um, looking online for different names of people but I re I figured that I didn't want it to be tokenistic so I didn't want to just highlight black people for the sake of it and to just show that okay we were here but I began to look at um, black people that were actually maybe not had more prominence but maybe black people that did something within British society so there was Fanny Eaton she was a model there's Pablo Fank he was a Victorian circus owner but then I also kind of wanted to highlight the fact that although these people are Although I have the names of these people, there are still names of other people that obviously will go unrecognized, but they still have the same value and they're still worthy of being shown. But the fact that their lives aren't documented kind of revolves. So the fact that these lives aren't documented throughout the history kind of um, highlights all the fact that it's never been seen as worthy. So I wanted to counter that and make it actually worthy and present it in a way that makes it unable to ignore because we haven't been taught these names before. So now is the time. Yeah. And what I really like about it is uh, typically when we look at British, uh, black British figures in history, um, they're often either characterized as victims of slavery or uh, beneficiaries of abolition. But these characters, uh, the, the figures that you've chosen to represent are entrepreneurs and entertainers and business people and models. And it just kind of gives such a wider breadth to our culture and our history and kind of moves it from that single story. Um, what would you say would be, so for uh, creatives following in your footsteps or aspiring creatives who want to do the kind of work that you're doing now, what would you say is the other steps that can be taken towards doing this kind of work? I would say um, definitely just go and continue to do the work that you really want to do because for this project itself, 
during the beginning at university because we had to write our own briefs. I was really conflicted in terms of if I actually wanted to do this or if I should do something that would be a bit more palatable to the university and to the um, assessors. But I feel like there was really something within me and a really strong desire to do it. And I feel like that is there for a reason. So I feel like definitely do not ignore what you're passionate about because often it's what you're passionate about that will it will turn out best because you're really engaged with the work. I would say definitely look at the things that you're engaged with and the things that you genuinely enjoy doing and that will better the quality of the work and also your own creative process because everything leads on to each other. So the more engaged you are, the better the outcome essentially. Yeah, and uh, to add to that, uh, one of the things that I can say, especially for aspiring creatives, is that when you come out of um, university or when you uh, begin your career, you'll hear people tell you what or advise you on what should be in your portfolio and how you should present yourself. And normally it's away from your cultural identity. And what happens is you become, especially in graphic communication design, you get used to working for agencies, you get used to working for clients, and there's a specific way that people work. And what happens is over time, your work becomes more generic and less particular to you because you're just going, okay, right. These are the fonts that brands and clients use. These are the, the kinds of, this is the types of layouts that companies use. And the further you go down that pathway, you become less of an individual. And for black creatives and creators of color, um, that actually, uh, diminishes your value. So it actually stops you from the thing that makes you unique. And then when you become generic, it becomes a lot harder. I mean, I'm just speaking from my personal experience, but it becomes much harder because especially in industries where there's such low representation, uh, if everything is equal and there's no uniqueness and there's no story to your work, it becomes very easy to turn you into a commodity and then kind of put you to one side. Um, do you feel like you have a good handle on the balance of your kind of personal work and uh, kind of the more commercial work that you can expect to be doing? I feel so, yeah, because the work that I've been doing since I've left uni, I've joined Somerset House as a young producer and the project that we're doing right now is about Black British history. And even within that, I was looking at presenting um, ideas that aren't as known, so lesser known narratives. So I feel like um, in terms of the research and the ideas, um, I feel like my uniqueness is still there. But I haven't really been doing that much um, stuff for different agencies since. But I feel like I have been approached by other people to create work, but I have turned it down because it's not stuff that I want to do. Because like you said, I'm aware that First of all, if I don't want to do something, then I know the outcome won't be as great because I'm not actually emotionally engaged with it. So I don't want that to like, diminish my own um, value of work. But also about um, me not wanting to do the work because it's just not my style. And I feel like I don't want to have to alter my style in order to fit in. I'd much rather just do freelance or just create my own projects where I can see myself in the work. Yeah, it's really important at the beginning of your career that you set your values and that you determine where your lines are and what you're willing to do. And it's really important yeah. that you do that early in your career because you can set your own pathway rather than being in a situation where you're much further in and you find yourself in a compromising position or you're working for clients who operate in ways that you don't agree with or in industries you don't agree with by setting mm -hmm. your values out early. I think you have a much stronger chance of having a consistent and rewarding career. Um, that's yeah. fantastic. Um, 
what's next for you? Well, at the moment, I'm kind of taking a break from uni. I feel like even since I finished uni, I've just been still been working nonstop, but I want to take a break. And then I want to go back to the Black Culture Archives and I want to continue digging and finding and experimenting with different methods and ways to tell stories. I just That's need amazing. to find them. Whenever I go there, I'm always overwhelmed and there's just so much that I want to like, oh my God, I want people to know this. Because when I come out and I meet up with my friends, I'm like, oh my God, did you know this? Did you know that? So I feel like I'm just going to find a way to put it all in my brain and put it back out in a creative way. <laughs> when you're doing that, when you're going through the archives and when you're looking for inspiration, is there a part of you, does it always feel um, rewarding and joyful or is there a part of you where you're um, looking through kind of painful histories and having to take that on i feel like it is rewarding but there is definitely um there definitely is a negative toll in terms of not only the fact that the realization that there are these rich stories that i have never heard about and that have been kept from me like purposely but then also yeah there are some stories that are quite harrowing and i feel like it is it does take an emotional toll to actually read it and process it but then I look at the positive things and then I realize, well, this is what happened. And I still feel like people should know. Yeah. I mean, I think your work is really um, valuable and really vital in helping us recontextualize those histories and present a wider view of black British history and of British history, because, you know, the story of black Britain is the story of Britain and the story of Britain exactly. is the, the story of global history. So it's really important that we are able to take control and shape those narratives. So I'm glad that uh, young creatives like yourself are out there um, really leading this good fight. Um, and it's amazing. I look forward to seeing more from you. Thank you. I look forward to creating and educating and inspiring. Uh, where can the people find you? What's your uh, your Insta handle? My Instagram is J-A-H-N-A-B-I-N-N-I-S-S. So it's just my name. Okay, but great. with one guy that joins in the middle. <laughs> okay, cool. We'll add all those links um, in the show notes for everybody to come find you. Um, thanks for joining me. It's been thank amazing. You and thank, thank you. you for the billboard. Uh, I look forward to working with you again in the new year. Um, yeah, it's just great work. Absolutely great work. Thank you. That's it for this episode. My thanks again to Janavi for joining me in conversation. Her work makes for a compelling example of what happens when designers experiment beyond the mediums we're used to, to explore cultural narratives through methodology and practice. Join me again next week for more inspiring talks with the creatives working towards social change. For full episode details and show notes, visit bunbury.co forward slash podcast. That's B-U-N-B-U-R-Y dot C-O forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining me and I'll see you soon. You've been listening to Design for the People with Greg Bunbury.